Hello, my friends, and welcome to The Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for October 5th is Matthew chapter 4, Luke chapters 4 and 5, and John chapter 1, 15 through 51. Matthew 4 is about the temptation of Jesus. This is immediately after he was baptized. A voice from heaven comes booming down. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then immediately Satan takes him and tries to get him to forsake his calling by challenging his identity. Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Satan approaches him. I can tell you're hungry. If you really are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus responds, We don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The devil then takes him to the city, to Jerusalem, standing on the peak, the pinnacle, the very top of the temple. How did Satan take Jesus anywhere? Jesus was submitting to the process of being refined through not giving into temptation. We have to be able to endure going through the process of being tempted and withstanding the temptation. From the peak of the temple, he says, throw yourself down from here. And he quotes from Psalm 91, the angels will protect you. You won't even strike your foot against a stone. It's in the Bible. Jesus didn't try to argue doctrine or proper interpretation of scripture. He just simply said, it's also written, do not tempt Yahweh your God, quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16, arguing or debating proper interpretation or application of scripture is not generally helpful, especially when you know you'll never get to convert to that person. They are not interested. Don't engage. In verse 8, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, I'll give you all of these things. This is why you're here, right? Change the world. I'll make you ruler of it all. Bow down and worship me. Jesus said, go away, Satan. It is also written, worship Yahweh your God and serve him only. Again, Deuteronomy chapter 6. From there, Jesus begins his ministry, going around, telling people, repent because the kingdom of heaven has come near, or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Turn from your sin, turn toward God. The kingdom of heaven is here. And he went all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness among the people. In Luke 4, 16, Jesus returns to Nazareth where he grew up. He goes to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he opens the scroll of Isaiah and he turns to the place or he locates the place where it says the spirit of Yahweh is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of Yahweh's favor. Everybody's looking at him. He takes the scroll. He rolls it up, takes a seat. Everybody's just staring at him. Today, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. They were amazed by the authority he had when he spoke. 
the grace of God that was so evident upon him, they were amazed. And yet they said, isn't, isn't this Joseph's son? They watched him grow, grow up. They knew who he was. How could God be taking this person we know and doing these amazing things through him? Like, what is going on? Let's, let's stop and let's be rational. Jesus said, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. You guys remember Elijah? During that horrendous drought all those years ago, there were lots of widows throughout Israel, but Elijah wasn't sent to any of them. He stayed with a widow in Sidon. Remember Elisha? There were lots of lepers. There were lots of people with skin diseases all throughout the land, but it was only Naaman, the Syrian, who got cleansed. Don't rest on the laurels of your history. Don't be one of those people who says, it's always been this way. When he had the audacity to call them out because they were neglecting the word of God, the very word of God in the flesh, they were enraged and they grabbed him and they took him up to the top of a hill to throw him off. And he let them until they got to the very brink. He said, now's not my time. Just as they were about to hurl him over the cliff, he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. Friends, the enemy has no control over us except for what is granted him. If it will glorify God more for me to be crucified, then I shall be crucified, but only at the proper time. Verse 38, he goes to Simon's house. Simon's mom is sick with a fever. Jesus rebukes the fever. He tells the fever to leave, and it does. Verse 41, demons were coming out of many, shouting and saying, You are the Son of God. And he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. Jesus didn't come to advance his own ministry. He wasn't writing books. He wasn't looking for a stage. He wasn't trying to be promoted to lead pastor. He was just advancing the kingdom everywhere he went. Jesus takes Peter's boat, goes out a little off the shore using the calm, still lake and the shore around it as a natural amphitheater. He begins teaching the people. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, go out, cast your nets. Simon was exhausted having been fishing all night. He says, Master, we've worked all night long. We've caught nothing. I'm tired. I just want to go home. And yet, I don't understand, but I'm just going to obey. And so he does obey. And then he reaps a harvest so vast that he can't even haul it in. His nets begin to break, and he has to call to his fishermen, friends, to say, come and help. When they see the quantity of fish received, Peter has to repent. Go away from me. I don't deserve to be in your presence. Almost get the impression that Peter had been muttering under his breath while Jesus was teaching. How long will you teach? I'm tired. I've been up all night. Still have to clean my nets. Have to get some sleep before I go fishing again tonight. The lesson I see in this is that Peter was obedient. He was serving. Sure, take my boat. To go, go out to shore. I'll, I'll push you out there a little bit so the people can hear you. I'm going to put my own desires and my own needs behind that of what you are doing because you're 
ways are so much more important than mine. And it was after that that Jesus was commissioned from now on, you'll be catching men. We're going to transition you, Peter. Instead of going after the food to feed natural bodies, you're going to go after and provide the food to nourish people spiritually, which is so much more important. Verse 15, the word about him spread even more. Large crowds would come together and hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. Even though these large crowds were growing and becoming more and more demanding and he was healing so many people, he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. The more people demanded of him, the more successful his ministry became, the more he withdrew to be alone, to get away from all the madness, to pray. When men brought a paralytic to Jesus and couldn't get to him and they went up on the roof and lowered the stretcher down into the house where Jesus was, Jesus saw their faith and said, man, your sins are forgiven. Interestingly, we don't get a response from the men or his friends. But Jesus perceived that the scribes and the Pharisees, the the Bible school teachers who were there, were thinking, who does this guy think he is? Who can forgive sin except for God himself? Jesus receives a word of knowledge. He understands. He hears their thoughts, looks at them and says, "Why, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? What's easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? But so that you will know that I have the authority to forgive sins to the man, get up and walk, take your mat and go. The man does, joyously, giving glory to God, takes up his mat and walks home. And it's a reminder that the miracles are the signs. They are the markers that point toward the authority that God has put in the Son, Jesus had called fishermen like Peter, James, and John. Now he calls a tax collector. People are going, why? Fishermen are dirty. They smell bad. Tax collectors are thieves. Why does this man hang out with such people? I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The thing is, we're all sinners. Many of us think we have it all figured out, and we don't realize that we have a need to repent. In John 1, when Philip went to Nathanael and told him that they had found the Messiah, the one Moses had predicted, Nathanael's a little doubtful. But Philip says, come and see. As they are on the way to meet Jesus, when Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he says, now here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael's a little taken aback. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus said, Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. I would imagine that Nathanael was under a tree where he went often to pray. Jesus speaks highly of his character. Here's an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And before Philip called you, I saw you. I wonder if Nathanael had some sort of an experience where he felt like he was being seen by God. Maybe he was praying and he felt the voice of God speaking to him saying, I see you, Nathanael. You're not invisible to me. Can you imagine 
receiving a word like that while you're praying, God saying, I see you. We're coming to this place in society today as a culture that people recognize how important it is to be seen and heard and understood. And in that moment, Jesus said to Nathaniel, I see you. I saw you under the tree. I heard you. I understood you. And it rocks Nathaniel. It takes him from a skeptic to a believer immediately. Rabbi, teacher, you're the king of Israel. It's amazing how powerful it is to be seen, to be heard, to be understood. If you want to see your relationships elevated, stop and listen and ask probing questions and see people for who they are. Listen to them so they feel understood. Our God is one who sees us, who hears us, who understands us. The problem is we're so distracted that we don't understand that he's listening. We don't hear his voice because we're not listening for it, but he's always there. He's watching, he's listening, and he understands, and he loves us anyway. God bless you, my friends. Thank you for being on this journey with me. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.